Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. So um, tonight, uh, as you already know, um, I've been asked to speak about the exclusivity of Jesus, the uniqueness of Jesus, um, which is such a, it's a really exciting topic. I mean, it's one of those things, hey, it's one of those things you, you, you get asked all the time as a Christian. I know that I get asked all the time as a pastor, you know. Uh, there's so many different religions, uh, you know, is each sort of a different road? Um, do they each have sort of des- different destinations that they lead to? Or will you all arrive at the same destination regardless, you know, um, does every religion offer the same salvation? Um, and these are just some of the questions that people ask. And if you're a Christian here tonight, these are probably just some of the questions that you've been asked by friends, family, strangers. Um, so tonight as a Christian, I want to talk about Jesus and why I believe that he is unique to all others, why he is exclusive, why he is single, singled out, uh, why he is in his own sort of category, if you like. And even his name, right, Jesus Christ, even his name is just jam-packed full of, full of meaning and, and significance. Jesus is sort of the Old Testament, in, in the Old Testament, um, a sort of parallel name for that would be Joshua, right? And Joshua means Yahweh, God saves. And for those of you who aren't really familiar with church, don't have too much church background, Yahweh is the name of God, right? And something really cool about this is that Yahweh, right, it actually means, means I am who I am. And this is how God introduces himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. You know, he says, Moses says, who, who do I say is sending me when I go back to Pharaoh, you know, the king of the Egyptian empire, right, who considers himself a God? Who do I say sent me to ask for the Israelites' freedom? And God, you know, who who is probably racking his mind at this point for a name that can succinctly summarize, you know, all that he is and all that he uh, has done, simply says, I am who I am. It's such an incredibly powerful name, I think. Um, And Christ, Jesus Christ, Christ means the anointed one of God. Even even his name, right, is just jam-packed full of significance and meaning. And who was Jesus? Who was Jesus? You know, the person, the man, right? Uh, Historically. Because that's what he is, right? He's, He's an actual historical person. You can pinpoint a time in history when he walked the earth. I mean, evidence is stacked against anyone who says otherwise, right? No serious historian will debate whether or not a man named Jesus who w- lived and walked around in, you know, first century Palestine and did wondrous miracles ever actually existed, okay? Um, well, so historically, he was a dude who was born roughly about 2,000 years ago uh, in a dusty corner of one of the least important nations of the, of the great Roman Empire, and according to historians of the day, like historians like Josephus, he did many extraordinary things while he was alive. 
He taught radical new teachings, ideas which would influence the world. And that this man, Jesus, was also murdered on a cross. So the question tonight isn't, did Jesus exist? Okay, that's, that's not the question we need to worry about. Historically, uh, historical evidence, you know, no historic, serious historian would argue that point, okay? We can have very good uh, confidence in saying, yes, Jesus actually existed. The question is, who do I, who do you believe him to be? So Jesus was born in a dusty corner of a forgotten nation in Bethlehem to a teenage girl who claimed she was a virgin, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, she gave birth. Her name was Mary, and she was married to a guy named Joseph who never claimed Jesus as his own son. Uh, Joseph was, you know, a blue-collar worker, a carpenter, a laborer. Any carpenters here tonight Um, or woodworkers, uh, builders? Cool, a few of you. Um, And so Jesus lived a pretty sort of low-key, simple, you know, normal kind of life, right? He had brothers, uh, two of them, James and Jude, authors of some books in the Bible, the New Testament, James, Jude, read them, they're awesome books. Uh, And as he grew up, he probably would have gone into carpentry following his his dad as well. Uh, Unlike the paintings, or unlike the sort of the... um, uh, what are they called? You know, the stained glass windows and stuff, how they portrayed Jesus. He probably didn't have long hair. He probably had short hair, okay? And it certainly wasn't golden. He wasn't like some white dude walking around middle, the Middle East, right? He was, he was a Palestinian Jew, right? So, so he's, he's probably dark-skinned, short hair. He's dark, all right? Um, and, you know, he was probably in fairly good shape, okay? Like, you know, he probably wasn't like a Gav Stilgo, right? But, um... <laughs> But, you know, he, he worked with his hands. He walked everywhere, right? So he was probably in pretty good shape. Um, uh, and he probably wasn't very good looking either. How does that sit with you guys? You know, Jesus, who, you know, we've all seen with this glowing sort of aura around him. You know, nicely sort of manicured beard and, and you know, bright blue eyes that just pierce into the souls of people. You know, that's probably not exactly accurate. Uh, the, the prophet Isaiah sort of says, you know, a, a, a long time before Jesus was even born, he prophesies about him, and he says, there was no beauty, there was no majesty that would attract us to him. All right, so he's probably a fairly ordinary-looking guy. Just, he's normal, simple. But at the age of about 30, all of that changes as he begins what the Bible calls his earthly ministry. He begins preaching and teaching and doing miracles, claiming that God's kingdom is coming and and it's time to repent and that he is the only way to God. And, And ultimately, bottom line, right, this is the reason why he got killed, right, is that he even claimed that he was God. Okay? So we're talking about his uniqueness, his exclusive exclusivity tonight. And uh, it all hinges on this one claim that he says, I am God. 
Jesus never married or had kids. You know, some of you are probably thinking, well, Garrett, what about the Da Vinci Code, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, don't put too much stock in that sort of stuff. Um, he never visited any big, big city apart from Jerusalem, but, you know, by that time, Jerusalem was being compared to, like, cities like Rome, right? And there's not really too much comparison there. He never went to uni, never traveled more than a few hundred miles from home, yet, yet this very ordinary man, right, from nowhere today is the most extraordinary, the most loved, the most hated, uh, the most widely considered person in history. More songs have been sung to him, more paintings done of him, more books written about him than anyone else in history. Jesus, as a person, stands apart amongst, among humanity. Our entire calendar is based around him, right? B.C., before Christ, A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, right? The entire calendar is based on his life. And today, over two billion people claim to worship him as God. Talk about single. Talk about unique. Talk about exclusive, right? This is Jesus. So that's Jesus, you know, not getting into faith or religion, just as a historical figure, right? Uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 to 4, Paul warns us how controversial he'll be one day, Right? Um, he says there's, there's going to be a lot of opinions, there's going to be a lot of perspectives, there's going to be a lot of teachings about this guy Jesus. And maybe you're here tonight and you've heard a lot of different stuff about Jesus, and it's vital, right, because of that, that we pay attention to the one book that is all about him, which is the Bible, theologians call the Bible Christocentric, right? It is all about Jesus. Every page, every paragraph, every line within it is all about Jesus. The number of opinions out there in the world today are numerous, seemingly never-ending, and we must pay attention to the book that is all about Jesus. So what does the world say about Jesus, though? What are the opinions? What are the perspectives? You, you guys know them, and I'm just going to share a few of them, right? Kanye West has that song, Jesus Walks, right? Uh, people who don't even know about Jesus, thinking about him. Apparently, Kanye featured on Rolling Stone magazine wearing a crown of thorns. The title was The Passion of Kanye West. Jesus is, you know, popular. He's popular in TVs. He's popular in movies. You know, he's popular amongst celebrities. You know, you've probably seen those pictures of Madonna or Ashton Kutcher wearing those T-shirts to say, hey, Jesus is my, is my homeboy. Have you guys seen those kinds of T-shirts, right? Um, there have been over 100 movies made about Jesus, and there's like two that I can think of that are coming out in the next year. Um, and, you know, think about James Bond, right? I think his 24th is coming out soon. I think Spectre is going to be his 24th. So he's like far outstripped James Bond. And then there's John Lennon, all right? And John Lennon, I'm sure that we know, is famous for saying, you know, of the Beatles, we are bigger than Jesus. And I sort of wonder, well, maybe if the Beatles are around in 2,000 years and, and to over 2 billion people are worshiping the Beatles as divine, then maybe he can start saying something, right? So that's just a glimpse of the pop culture Jesus. Sadly, there's also the Jesus of cults, all right? There's the Jesus of cults. 
uh, you know, groups that have jumped away from Christianity and, and twisted Christianity into something really ugly, okay? Uh, see, sometimes you'll meet people who try to tell you that, you know, well, all religions, they basically say the same thing. All religions, they basically teach the same thing, right? Um, have you, has anyone heard that? Okay, that's a really common argument. It's a lie, okay? Some, uh, sure, they might encourage you, you know, all religions sort of have this sense of, you know, seeking a moral, you know, moral, moral perfection, you know, let's, let's have high morals and all that sort of stuff. But they don't teach, they don't believe the same thing. It's like saying that, you know, all music is the same or all books are the same. Or is anyone into books? Like, if, you, if you're a book reader and someone says, hey, all books are the same, you're just like, you know, that's rubbish, right? This is the same thing. Christianity, we're all about Jesus. Other religions, they're not. There's the liberal progressive movement. This is really scary. It's within our church. Um, these are churches who want to be hip, who want to be cool, who want to be tolerant. They deny our gospel and say things like, hey, don't worry about the Bible. You know, Jesus is a good guy. Um, you know, imitate him. Be, try and be like him. But is he God? Well, you know, not necessarily. Um, he's, he's not the God man, right? He's not God, he's not God incarnate as a human being. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, they'd say, well, Jesus was an angel, you know, created being. And, and even possibly the Archangel Michael, okay, that's who Jesus was. Uh, Mormons, they'd say Jesus isn't God, he's the half-brother of Lucifer. Ask a Universalist, they'd say Jesus is all about the love, so, don't, so it doesn't matter what you believe or how you live. If he is God, then he'll accept you anyway, right? You're going to heaven anyway, so it doesn't really matter, you know? And I sort of wonder, well, where there's, where's the free will in that, right? If you don't want to have anything to do with God... I, the least he could do is honor that. Um, but anyway, ask a new ager, and they'll say Jesus is a state of consciousness that we should all aspire to. What about Scientology? Okay, anyone here fans of Tom Cruise? I am, so I'm not sort of going to gun you down or anything. I'm, I'm a fan of Tom Cruise, right? He's one of my favorite actors. I'll go see anything with him in it. Um, but this is a strange cult, okay? So basically, you ask him who Jesus is, he'd say that Jesus is like an implant forced upon a thetan a million years ago. Um, this, is, this is pretty much what L. Ron Hubbard said, who is the founder of Scientology. You know, Jesus was an implant. Uh, world religions, what do they say, you know? There is the Jesus of world religions. And here again, you'll, say, you'll see that, well, actually, all religions do not teach the same thing. They are all very different. If you spoke to a Buddhist, they'll say, Jesus isn't God, he's an enlightened man like the Buddha. Okay. Um, if, and a couple of things here. Like, first, would an enlightened man lie about being God? I don't know. I don't think I'm enlightened, so I've never experienced that. Even Buddha wasn't stupid enough to claim that he was God. Um, but that's probably because he didn't even believe in gods. Um, if you ask a Hindu, a Hindu, well, they believe, they believe in over 330 million gods. Um, so you'd probably get a range of different views depending on I don't know, whatever gods they worshipped or followed, followed. But generally, they'd say the same thing as a Buddhist. You know, he's, Jesus isn't God, but he's enlightened like Krishna. Um, or if he is God, then he's just one of over 330 million, so he's not all that special, right? And if you go to a Muslim, um, if you have a Muslim friend, um, you ask them who they say Jesus is, and they'd say that he was a prophet, um, some would even say that he's the perfect prophet, right? But he's lesser than Muhammad. 
Um, they think Christianity is uh, all Christians. Well, that's a very broad statement, but they, they think that Christianity is a foolish religion for believing in a crucified God. It just doesn't make any sense to them. Um, and, you know, it's as Paul says, you know, the cross is foolishness to the world, but it's the power of our salvation. So that's pop culture, that's cults, that's world religions. What about atheism and philosophy? Atheist philosopher Frederick Nietzsche, is it Nietzsche, um, was recorded as saying, Jesus died too soon. If he'd lived to my age, he would have repudiated his doctrine. You know, he would have gone back on what he was saying about himself. Existential psychologist Rollo May said, Christ is the therapist for all humanity. That's kind of nice. Kind of warming. Communist dictator Fidel Castro, this is kind of scary, says, I never saw a contradiction between the ideas that sustain me and the ideas of that symbol of that extraordinary figure, Jesus Christ. I find so much wrong with that line. Mikhail Gorbachev said Jesus was the first socialist. Adolf Hitler said, in boundless love, as a Christian, I sort of want to throw up in my own mouth at that, um, in boundless love as a Christian, I read how terrific was Jesus' fight for the world against the Jewish poison. Basically saying, I love Jesus, he was a good Nazi. There are so many different opinions, so many points of view about who Jesus is. You know, and, and the stuff that we've just covered, you know, just then, is hardly even scratching the surface of it all. But as I said, the question isn't, did Jesus really exist? It's not even, what do other people say about Jesus? It's about, who do I believe him to be? And in order to do that, we need to look and know, look at and know what he said about himself, right? Um, and what makes Jesus so unique, so controversial, is that he claims, uh, you know, the biggest claim out there, there are no claims anyone could ever make at any point that could be bigger than his claims, that he is God, the creator of all things, almighty, everlasting God. And some people, they say, you know, Jesus never made those claims. That's ridiculous. Jesus never made those claims. Wrong. We'll take a look at them now. Um, or they'll say, well, he was, he was just misunderstood, you know. Uh, Garrett, he was just misunderstood by people back then. Okay, well, that's hard to make clear, you know. Uh, it's hard to make clear. It's not that hard, excuse me, to make clear that hey, I'm not claiming to be God, right? People ask him, hey, Jesus, are you claiming to be God right now? It's not that hard to say, no, I'm not claiming to be God right now. Or, they'll, or some people will say, well, he, we just misunderstand his meaning today. Well, yeah, so people are basically, um, you know, debating great minds of scholars, theologians, and history, historians, you know, that can't work that out for themselves. No, Jesus made these claims, and we need to decide for ourselves if we believe the claims that he made. 
Jesus uh, told the Samaritan woman that he was the Messiah. In John chapter 4, verses 25 to 26, the woman, Samaritan woman, said, I know that the Messiah, who's called the Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am here, and I do want to make everything clear to you. He told the Jews, I and the Father are one. In John 10, verses 24 to 20, verses 24 to 38, saying, hey guys, me and God, we're one and the same, okay? Until Jesus, every prophet, every angel, every messenger from God who was mistakenly honored as God and worshiped, they were rebuked. The angel, the prophet, would tell them to look to God, worship God. Not Jesus, though. He gets worshiped, and he doesn't correct them. If you read John chapter 9, Verses 35 to 38. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. This guy was basically saying, hey, I accept that you are Jesus. I accept that you are the Lord. I'm worshiping you. And Jesus didn't rebuke him at all. He didn't correct him. He didn't try and point him to the true God. No, Jesus was accepting that worship from this man who thought he was the true God. Jesus never corrects those who accuse him of making himself equal with God. Again, people say, hey, the people back in the day, they just misunderstood what Jesus was saying, right? But again and again in the Gospels, we see people go, Jesus, what are you claiming? Are you claiming to be God? And he says, yes. Mark chapter 9, John chapter 5, 9, 10, and the list goes on. And he doesn't correct those who called him God of their own volition either. Um, if we read John chapter 20, verses 26 to 29. This is after uh, his resurrection. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. So he claims to be God and equal to God. He also claimed that this really... Um, and this really slams his claim home with the Jewish people, at least. He claims to have pre-existed Abraham. And he claims to even be superior to Abraham. I'll just read, with, read for you John chapter 8, verses 57 to 58. 
You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? You've claimed to see Abraham? And Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, get this, before Abraham was born, I am. See what he did there? He basically took God's title, right? God's name, Yahweh from the Old Testament and owned it. He couldn't have been more clear in a Jewish, to a Jewish audience. In his culture, his time, he could not have been more clear about what he was claiming. You see, Christianity is unique. All other religions have founders who point away from themselves and point to their God. You know, Muhammad, he pointed away from himself, pointing to Allah. Krishna did the same. Abraham, you know, he pointed to Yahweh. Jesus, though, he says, look at me. Look at me. John 6, verse 38, Jesus says, I came down from heaven. Right? He's saying, I am God. Heaven is my home. And I have come down to earth. And here we see another unique thing about Christianity, okay? Because all other religions, right? They're all about what we can do to get up to heaven. Christianity is about what Jesus does to come down to us. All other religions, they say you have to do X, Y, and Z to, to achieve heaven or, or to achieve enlightenment or to gain the God's favor. It's all about working your way up, not with Christianity, not with our God. You see, for Christians, it's, it's not about what we do. Otherwise, we'd be saving ourselves, right? No, it's all about what Jesus did, what Jesus still does in the world today. He comes down out of heaven and steps onto the earth, into our history, and he says, I am God. You can know me, and I will save you. John chapter 14, verses 8 to 11. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, that, that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus is saying, Philip, don't you see? Don't you need? You don't, you don't need to ask to see God. I'm right here. Philip, don't you see? You don't, you don't need to ask to see the Father. The Father is right here in me. And, and, and if you don't, Philip, Philip, if you don't believe me, then look at what I do. Look at my miracles. They're signs, Philip. They're signs of my power. They're signs, Philip, of my, of my authority. 
They're signs, Philip, of my divinity. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says the Son, Jesus, is the exact representation of his, God's, being. That Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. So Jesus not only claimed to be God, apparently he could back it up too. His miracles, unimaginable power and authority, they were signs of who he was. You know, he w- they were revealing his identity. And these weren't cheap illusions. These weren't magician's tricks. He cured illnesses with a word or a touch. He healed blindness. He healed leprosy. He healed those who were crippled. He fed over 5,000 people from a couple of fish and some bread. He walked on water and then calmed the storm with his word. This is divine strength. I've heard some people say stuff like, you know, he just wanted attention. You know, he wasn't God. He was just a guy who could show off a little bit. And he just wanted attention. He wanted to be famous. Okay, well, where were his riches? Where was his palace? You know, where were the, where were the models on each arm? He was broke. He was homeless. And remember, he was a Jewish man, right? He knew that in that culture, in that religion, claiming to be God when you weren't was a death sentence. It wasn't going to make him famous. It was going to make him infamous. It wasn't going to give him riches and, and glory. It was going to get him killed. John chapter 10, verses 24 to 33. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And this is the clincher. We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. In Jesus' day and culture, blasphemy was a death sentence. So he'd show them signs of his divinity, saying, hey, look, look, this is who I am. This is my power. This is my authority. Look at my miracles. But not even that could save him from being killed. Jesus didn't get crucified because he was nice to the poor. He didn't, they didn't kill him because he hung out with alcoholics and, and prostitutes. They didn't kill him because he was good with kids or because he fed the hungry. No, he was, ki- he was killed because he kept on saying, I am God. With all these claims, I don't, I don't get it when people say stuff like, Jesus was a great man or a great teacher or a great prophet. You know, he was a, he was a great moral man. 
No, he claimed to be God. If he's not, he's a liar and a deceiver. And he deceived countless into dying for him. If Jesus isn't, isn't God, then he's a monster. C.S. Lewis puts it like this. A man who was merely a man and said the kinds of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either he was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. But let's, and this is really good. I love this part. But let's not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a good teacher. He has not left that open to us, C.S. Lewis says, and he did not mean to. And some of you, you've heard people say things like, I like Jesus, but I don't like Christians. Gandhi said the same thing. If you ask them why, they probably said something like, well, Jesus is all about the love. But Christians, you know, they're too exclusive. They're too arrogant. They're too narrow. They're too judgmental. I don't like how they say that Jesus is the only way. It's, it's too arrogant. And I don't want to excuse the arrogance of Christians, the rudeness of Christians who are too judgmental. We don't have that right at all to be judgmental. We don't. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 uh, to 16, has a bit to say about our attitude. He says, you know, always have a reason for what you believe. Always have a reason why you believe that Jesus is unique. Always have a reason for why you believe that Jesus, who claimed to be God, is actually God. Always have a reason. But he says, tell it with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. But let me say this too. Christians are exclusive. We are. Christians are exclusive because Jesus was exclusive. We're not exclusive to be rude or intolerant. We're exclusive because we follow Jesus who was exclusive. As Christians, we believe that Jesus alone is uniquely God. And because we believe that he alone is uniquely God, we believe what he says, or we should. We're not exclusive or narrow because, you know, hey, we just want to be. No, we should only ever be loving. But loving is also being truthful, isn't it? When Jesus claims to be God, he's also claiming to be the judge of all. If you've got your Bibles and you're, and you're opening them up, just flick to John chapter 5, verses 22 to 27. He says this. This is Jesus. Moreover, the Father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. 
and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. He's saying, I'm God. I know your hearts. I know your minds. I know your life. And in the end, you'll stand before me and I'll decide your fate. And this is brutal. This is a hard teaching. You know, we want to be loving. We want to be gracious. We want to be, hey, guys, you know, grace upon grace. Let's embrace you. You know, but John chapter 1 says Jesus came in grace and truth. You know, he told the adulterous woman, does anyone condemn you? Neither do I, but go and leave your life of sin. And he claims to be judge. If you're feeling uncomfortable right now, I am too. I hate teaching on this sort of stuff. We live in an age where it's taboo to judge other people. You know, the, the worst insult that anyone could ever give to someone this day and age is that they are judgmental. But we all do it. But we're not allowed to show it. One of, and, and, you know... If you, if you ever do make the mistake of judging someone, what's their response? You can't judge me. You're no better than I am. And for me, you know, I'd probably say right on you, you're probably better than I am. But Jesus, you say that to Jesus and he says, well, actually I am better than you. And I can judge you. And I will judge you because I'm God. And, and in this light, you know, in that light, how sweet is the gospel, right? Knowing why Jesus stepped out of heaven and walked the earth and came down, you know, knowing that he did that in order to forgive and in order to bring us back into a right relationship with him. These are extraordinary claims, and it's sad that many Christians do become judgmental because we're no better than anyone else. I know that. We each know that. The founders of other religions, they don't claim to have the right to judge others. They say, no, our God will judge you. Jesus says, no, I'll judge you. Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in hell? Do you want to go to heaven? Jesus says, I divide heaven and hell. I choose your fate. He says, I am the way to heaven. It's all about Jesus, right? Amen? Christianity, it's all about Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6. This is probably one of the most famous verses of the Bible. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, singular, exclusive. He says, I am the truth. Well, there are a lot of opinions out there, Jesus. Yes, but there's only one truth, singular, exclusive. He says, I am the life, no one. And you say, what about everyone else with different opinions? He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. What a bold claim. If Jesus were alive today, he'd probably get killed again. 
What does the Jew, the Buddhist, the Muslim, the Hindu say to this? Do they believe the same thing? What does the Jehovah's Witness, the Mormon, the Scientologist say to this? Christianity is exclusive. It is unique. What does the atheist, the philosopher, the evolutionist, the agnostic say to this? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. If you're here tonight and you're thinking, wow, Jesus does sound legit. He's, he's in a league of his own, but you haven't chosen to trust in him yet. He says this to you. I am the way. Follow me and take my hand. I am the truth. Embrace me and you'll understand. And I am the life. And for me, you will live again. For Christians, it's all about Jesus. He's supreme and he's better than everyone and everything. He was killed, but scripture tells us that he rose again, conquering both sin and death. And after he rose, he says in Matthew chapter 28, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Another extraordinary, singular, exclusive claim that Jesus makes. He's saying, not only do I have the authority over everyone on earth, I've got authority over the angels of heaven as well. Jesus rules over heaven he rules over earth. He rules over angels and demons. He rules over the gay people and the straight people. He rules over the bisexuals and the transgenders. He rules over demons and angels. He rules over Buddhists, Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Universalists, agnostics, over Scientologists, over, over men and women. He rules over everything. He's our God. And he rules over parents, he rules over children, he rules over nations and presidents and prime ministers, kings and queens, philosophies and history. He rules over it all. Some of us, we came in tonight thinking, Jesus is a nice guy. To that, Jesus says, no. I am so much more. In Matthew chapter 16, his disciples come to him and they say, hey, Jesus, there's, there's a lot of claim, a lot of people out there debating, you know, uh, who you are. People are having great conversations about who you are. They don't, they don't, there's debate raging, you know, Twitter and Facebook, they're going nuts about who you might be. And Jesus says, okay, well, I don't care about all that sort of stuff. You know, they say I'm a prophet, they say that I'm some long dead dude from history, I don't care about all that stuff. Who do you say I am? Does that sound familiar to you guys today? Debate is raging. Who is Jesus? And the question is, who do you believe him to be? We can't get away with quoting our best friend, so don't try that. We don't need to worry about the ideas of philosophers or atheists. We don't need to worry about the idea of the latest song that's come out. We don't need to worry about that 
latest meme that's, you know, going viral. Jesus asks, who do you say I am? Look at my miracles. Look at my teachings. Look at my claims. Who do you say I am? Everything hinges on this question. It's the single most important question you'll ever respond to. We can't get away with saying he was a good guy. No, if he's not who he claimed to be, he's not a good guy. If you're here tonight and you haven't chosen to believe in or trust or follow Jesus, you need to know that he claims to be God. Unlike anyone else, no one else claims to be God and has the power to back it up. And from historical evidence, apparently he could back it up. And the Bible tells us that he died on a cross not to judge the world, not yet, but to make us right with God again. His death was a substitute death for ours because the consequence of sin, right? The consequence of all that rubbish in our lives that we do is death. He didn't want us to die. So he substituted himself for us on the cross. He rose again showing his victory over death and sin and offers forgiveness to all who would trust in him in faith. That's what Christianity is about. If you're a Christian in here tonight, I hope, I hope your heart's just like going, yeah, amen, preach it. Because that's what Christianity's about. The most famous verse in the Bible, uh, probably, is John 3, 16. And I'm sure that if I asked, you know, half of you guys could, you know, recite it without skipping a beat. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 is probably just as powerful but so much less known for some reason. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, Jesus Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. All you have to do is believe in who I say I am and repent of your sin, and I will give you a new life with me. If you're here tonight and you're thinking, yeah, Garrett, actually, that's, that's me. I, I'm not a Christian yet. I really do see that he stands apart. If you're here tonight and saying, well, Garrett, I've actually lived my life as a Christian, but, you know, I've, I've been kind of getting kind of a bit you know, disinterested and I'm no longer sort of living that life anymore, but I'd like to, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of repentance and it's a prayer of commitment. A repentance because that's what Jesus died to give us, that is forgiveness. And it's a prayer of commitment because he says, guys, I committed my life to saving you. And I expect the same in return. I want your life. I want all of you. So this is a prayer of commitment and it's a prayer of repentance. And what I'll do is I'll just pray this prayer. And if you are feeling that way, if, you, if you're in that boat, then I ask you to just pray it quietly in your hearts with me. 
and then I'd ask you to tell someone here at the pastoral staff, you know, tell someone that you made that recommitment, you know, so they can encourage you and go right on. Let's, let's get you, you know, set up and let's make sure that, you know, you don't become disinterested ever again. Or if, if you're, if you're making a first time commitment, tell someone here so they can go right on. This is where we go to next. This is what happens next. So I'm just going to pray this and if, if that's you, then I ask you just to repeat it in your own hearts. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love for me and for all that you have done for me. Please forgive me for all I have done which has hurt you and others. I am so sorry for my sins. Thank you that on the cross you offer me forgiveness and show me the way to new life through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Please come into my life and take over as my Lord and my Savior. I commit myself to you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name.